This is The Bittersweet Life, a show for expats, former expats, travel lovers, and people who dream about moving far away someday. I'm Katie Sewell, a recent repatriate to Seattle in the United States after a year in Rome. My co-host is Tiffany Parks, an expat who spent the last 10 years in Rome. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to join us for the whole journey by beginning with episode one. If you're really interested in today's theme, however, back up to the beginning afterwards. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, Tiffany, nice to have you back, by the way. Thank you. It's nice to be back. And today, we're going to base our show off of an email that we received. And I should say, first of all, where are we right now? I am on my lunch break at uh, Town Hall, Seattle. So I'm sitting up in a room. I'm looking into mirrors that are surrounded by bright lights while I'm talking to you. So it's almost like I'm on stage right now. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Tiffany? Where are you at? It's about 10.30 in the evening here, and I'm in my study, which, as you can hear, is very echoey because it's still only partially furnished. Yes, the move-in process is always a lot longer than we would like to think. Mm. And in some ways, that dovetails with uh, this email that we're going to talk about, which we received from Kelly, which is about moving. And so I'm first, I just want to read the email, and then we'll go from there, okay? Okay. All right. Kelly says, I wanted to shoot you an email, because I always feel a sense of gratitude every time I listen to your podcast. I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area by a family who taught me, with good intentions, that there would never be any reason to leave. My mom would take me to museums, parks, restaurants, and proudly explain that our area had it all. Now, to be fair, the Bay Area has a lot of stuff, and I've spent my 30 years on this earth exploring every inch of it. But I had a problem. I was mortified of moving out of state. Just the thought of moving somewhere different scared me because how could anywhere be better than where I grew up? I know that might sound crazy to two world travelers, but I never ever imagined my life outside of the state. I ended up dating and now married, yay, an Air Force brat who would never understood my fear because he spent his life living everywhere in the US and traveling abroad. When he mentioned moving somewhere else, I always couldn't accept it, and we'd just have to deal with the high cost of living here. That all started to change as time went on, partially because my hubby would tell me positive stories about other places in the country, and partially because of you guys. Listening to the joys, difficulties, and adventure that comes with moving elsewhere made me want to try and live somewhere else. It made me feel more adventurous and brave about leaving this place behind. So now we're on the verge of moving to Denver, a place that I loved as a kid but haven't been to since, for the sake of trying a new way of life. And I don't know if I could have done it without you two. I know that Denver isn't all that different from the Bay Area and isn't nearly as scary as moving to another country, but it's a big step for me personally. You guys helped me so much and you didn't even know it. Yes. Thanks, Kelly. So one, that is an incredibly nice email, Kelly. (laughs) So thank you so much. That email when we got it, absolutely made my day. It's so wonderful to hear that you have an impact on people. Yeah, and I've known for the 
over the decade I've worked in radio that radio is such a lonely business because in general, people listen, but they don't interact with you. Oftentimes because they're driving or they're out walking. And so you just don't think to send an email. And so, you know, the only time you really hear from people is uh, if you've done something really right or if you've done something terribly wrong that offended them <laughs> extremely. <laughs> and then you hear from them. So nice to get an email. But it also made me think when I was reading it, her line where she says, I know that might sound crazy to two world travelers. And I was thinking, boy, that's not how I would define myself at all, even though that is sort of what I have been <laughs> in my life. <laughs> you absolutely have been. I mean, you've been to South Africa. You've been to Vietnam like countless times. That's you've true. lived in Europe. You've been to several that's countries true. in Europe. I know. I know. I can't, I can't not define myself that way. But I was also thinking it just sort of triggered in me that thought where she considers us or me so bold and I still don't feel like I was that person that was so bold. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I would have ever moved to Europe on my own and, and I've never taken a trip where I wasn't traveling with somebody else, you know? So I do think that I'm a, kind of a homebody like she was and I don't necessarily throw myself out there in the world like a bold explorer. But baby steps, Katie, baby steps. I know, I know. I mean, if I've been able to come across as a bold explorer on this podcast, all the better. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to be that person and to be more bold and brave. But I still feel like I, even today, would have a hard time moving back overseas. It's not that I don't want to, I do want to, but it, it scares me, I feel like, just as much as it did when I did it the first time. Well, I wonder if it ever gets easier because I feel kind of that way as well. <laughs> I still live in Rome, obviously, I haven't left, but to either move back to the States or to move to another place, I still think about, would I be able to do it? And I've been an expat for 12 years, so I don't know that it gets easier. Maybe if you move to a lot of new places, like people who have certain types of jobs that just move them around all the time, maybe it gets easier for them. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I would actually love to hear if that's true. But I wonder if it has something to do with childhood. Did you move at all in your youth? No, I didn't. We moved into the house that I spent most of my childhood in when I was three. So clearly I don't have, besides photos, I don't really have any memories of that first house. So we lived there from the time I was three to the time I was, to the time I went to college at 18. Wow. So you were very stable. Very, very stable. Our family moved when I was a fifth grader. Yes. From Minnesota. Yeah. From Minnesota to Seattle. And at the time that was like an incredibly traumatizing move for me. I wonder if that really is what remained with you. That the trauma that that trauma that you had at such a important age, you know, an age when things really affect you strongly, the beginning of adolescence really. Maybe that even on a subconscious level made you wary of leaving your comfort zone because it was so hard for you to do it that first time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously you were a little kid. Of course it's going to be hard. Yeah. It's funny because when I think back to when I met you, I met Tiffany in the sixth grade mm -hmm. on the school bus. I remember it well. Yes. <laughs> that was only my second year of being in Seattle area. And I think I was still, in fact, I know I was still having 
a lot of trouble with the fact that we were living here. I used to get these terrible headaches, like migraine type headaches, and I don't get migraines. And I do remember my mom and family trying to figure out what was wrong with me, going to the doctors. Why is she sick all the time? In hindsight, you think mm. probably just trauma. Yeah. Right? I mean, that must have been what it was. They never could actually find a real cause for why I was sick all the time. So yeah, I feel like even when I met you, I wasn't mentally healthy. In fact, I don't actually consider myself feeling good about living here until about four years later when I went, got into high school. Huh. Really? Yeah. I hope that doesn't minimize all the great times we had in the, in, in the interim <laughs> there. In we middle did. school. We did. Man, we had some good times in middle school. Come on. Yeah, we really did. What strikes me is that when I met you, I didn't, I knew that you had, you had come from Minnesota, but it seemed like something that had happened so long before mm -hmm. until we started talking about it on this podcast. I never realized that it was only the year before you met me. Yeah. And I didn't have my Minnesotan accent when you met me. Cause I feel like I might've. Honestly, I don't know that I would have been able to recognize one <laughs> at that age. It sounds slightly Canadian. Mm -hmm. I don't even know that I could do it anymore. Isn't that how Tina Fey talks? Tina Fey, I think, is from up there. I don't know. I don't know. But oh, you know. I Oh, don't you know? Isn't that <laughs> it? I don't know. I guess I'll go with that as an example. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I could probably do it for you if I really, really tapped into myself, but I, I'm not going to. Um, I guess my whole point about this is that it's so interesting that when you kind of boldly make a move, even though when you feel like you can't or shouldn't or all those things, like I wonder what will happen to Kelly by having done this. What happens if she hates Denver? There's no shame in moving back. If you don't like it, no, you know, I'm the type of person who I will stick something out despite being miserable, which is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very stubborn. Yeah. I'm like a stick to it person. I don't give up easily. When I was in grad school, I was miserable. I hated my program. I hated my main professor as I was studying classical singing. I was really miserable there. I didn't even like the city. I had, you know, very few friends. It was a very, very dark, difficult time in my life, but I refused to quit or to change schools. I just, to me, it was like, you start something, you have to finish it, hmm. which is a good sort of thing on the surface. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have to know when to be like, you know what, this isn't working out and just call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, um, an acquaintance who moved to Rome, I would say probably about mm, five, four or five years ago now, and um, she was retired and had two grown children, and she had traveled to Italy a lot, loved Italy. She was from Australia. She had lived, um, you know, she'd had a great career in Australia, but always sort of dreamed of moving to Italy, didn't think it was possible while, while her kids were young and while she was working. So anyway, she, she moved to Rome to fulfill this dream and it just wasn't right for her. She was really frustrated by the bureaucracy and by the day-to-day -day corruption that you deal with in Italy. I hate to say <laughs> she was probably also missing her kids, you know, and, and she, she left. She lived here for maybe a year and a half, two years maximum, and she left. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
you know, not everybody is a lifer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know that's so true. But I wonder if it, if, if it doesn't go well, does that make you does it make you loathe to try again? Yeah, I guess so. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Or what could also happen is like, you know, you move somewhere and you like it so much that then you start thinking the way that Kelly thought, well, what other place could possibly be as good as this? And I think about that sometimes when I am sort of tempted to leave Rome because, you know, Rome is driving me crazy lately. <laughs> yeah. For the first time, I'm like seriously thinking, mm, I'm not sure I want to stay here. But the part of me is like, but there's no place like Rome. Like there's no city in the world that has all of this, that has so much history, that has so much art, that has so much beauty and has just, there's no place like this. Yeah. And how could I ever be fulfilled by any other place? I think New Yorkers feel like that too. They kind of feel like there's nowhere else in the world that can live up. Yeah, I think that's true. But then if you were to leave Rome, maybe you would find some other place so relaxing. Who knows? Oh, I mean, I I do (laughs) do think that that's the case. I think that that's totally the case. And I think you get used to places sometimes and you just get so used to that way of life that you feel like that's the way life is. For example having a long commute or having to be stuck in traffic. There are places in the world that you don't need that. You don't, you don't need to have that. You know, there are small towns where you can walk to work, you can ride your bike to work, or even if you do have to drive, there's no traffic or it's a two minute drive, you know? And, um, you live in a big city like Rome or like many other big cities. And you just kind of take for granted that that's part of life. Yeah. When that's a really negative aspect of life that in some places can be totally avoided. <laughs> that's so true. I mean, I I do feel like that I did have that elated feeling when we were on the plane to Rome of being like, ah, oh, at last, something different, mm-hmm. something new. You forget how much history and burden you kind of acquire if you stay in the same place for a really long period of time, too. Burdens of responsibility of habit patterns that you form getting that that rut of only going to the same three restaurants or always taking a right never taking a left and they just get so ingrained over 10 20 30 years I found that when I left here it just felt like you're shedding everything and anything could be possible that was a very scary, I guess, but mostly for me, an exhilarating feeling as well. Yeah, I think that's why some people get addicted to the expat life, becoming an expat addict and always having to go someplace new. We need to interview somebody like that. If you're one of those people, will you please send me an email? Because I would like to talk to you. Yes. If you're moving every year or something like that. Or I mean, we've had a few. We talked to the Hex who house-sit their ways around the world. And so they're always on the move. They're following house-sitting jobs. But somebody who would define themselves as an addict, I don't know if they would define themselves as an addict or not. But somebody who does, I would love to talk to that person. So please let me know. Yes, call us, email us, <laughs> tweet us, us, get in touch. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> but going back to what you were saying earlier, though, about when you stay committed to something just stubbornly, like you do, staying in that program. Mm-hmm. I think I do that same thing, too. But I've begun to think that it's not, for me, like a stubbornness thing. It's a fear thing. Or it's a laziness thing. Like, for instance, I hated my college also. I hated pretty much the entire experience from beginning to end. And at some point in the middle, I thought, I hate it here. Why am I doing this? I'm going to go to a different school. 
and I went and looked at a couple different schools, and in both of them, they were going to require me to learn a language. Now, I know what you're thinking. It probably would have been a good thing for me, but it was going... I know, but because but because I hadn't been there in my freshman and sophomore year when I might have started learning that language, I was going to have to take three years, I believe, of language, which was going to make it so that I didn't graduate in four years. Hmm. And I was thinking more along the lines of, I hate this experience so much, I just want to be done, mm. versus maybe learning a language would be good and maybe I'd have a positive college experience for the last two years, three years, you know? Mm probably just laziness. I just didn't want to be in it longer, even if it was going to make it better. When I think about like, why didn't I end that relationship earlier when I was in my 20s and I knew that boyfriend probably wasn't going to work out into anything, quote unquote, (laughs) um, why did I stay for so long? And I'm sure that had something to do with that mix of like, but I love this person. And also, well, what's going to happen to me if, if I'm out on my own? in the big world. Yeah, it's it's true. That can really, I mean, there's many different parallels you can make to that. I think it's got to be a combination of fear and also stubbornness and also, yeah, maybe laziness. <laughs> maybe it's all three. Yeah, maybe. I was thinking about the boyfriend thing because I went out with uh, a guy that I work with in radio who's 24 years old for a drink the other night, and he was asking me what... It, piece of advice would you have wanted to give yourself at age 24 that you could give to me? (laughs) I don't know if it was the best piece of advice uh, that I could have given him, but I said I would have told myself to not stay in relationships so long. Yeah. That's what I would have said. He just, he went home and broke up with his girlfriend. (laughs) I know. I know. Well, he has been dating the same girl since uh, high school. So maybe, maybe that was like my subtle, maybe she's not right. But what do I know? I don't even know this girl. So I don't know. I guess I was just trying to think of like, what would I have wanted to know? Because I feel like I kind of clung on to that notion of kind of the norms of what people tell you life is supposed to be you're supposed to meet somebody that you might marry in college, you know? And now as a person so far removed from that, I'm like, what a ridiculous notion that was culturally that that would be like an expectation that you would meet your husband in college. But because of that expectation, I think my college boyfriend probably stuck around for a year or two too long. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Also, I guess what I'm getting at too is it must also not just be fear. It must be like this script that we have of how things are supposed to go. If I did move back abroad again, I've just spent the last two years trying to get my career back on track. <laughs> like, do I just derail it again? I know. I'm so, I, I feel the same way. Like, I think, oh my gosh, I'd love to move abroad again, have a new adventure. And then I think, oh, but it took me so long to get to where I am right now in this city. Do I really want to do that again? <laughs> yeah. And instead of doing it in my late 20s, do I want to do it in my late 30s? <laughs> and also now you have whatever you decide is Aurelio's future too. You know, you are the parents that are moving Aurelio from central Minnesota to Seattle. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I mean, that, that actually makes sense then to do it sooner than later. That's true. So if he moves when he's two, he's not going to have a clue. He'll be happy wherever he is. The closer you do that to the teenage years, the harder it gets. That's true. Do you know my theory though about when you should move a kid? is that, (laughs) not that I know anything about kids, so this is my homegrown theory, based on my own experience, I think that you should always move a kid around the age of three. Mm -hmm. Because that's, for me at least, when the memories were starting to kick in, 
it made a differentiation point for me where I can remember stuff that happened in Michigan and stuff that happened in Minnesota. And I was born in Michigan. So now I know that everything that I can remember that happened in Michigan happened at the age of three or before. Because you moved from Michigan to Minnesota at three. Right. Oh. And it's so interesting because now it's like, oh, no, I do have memories from when I'm really, really little. But I don't think I would have been able to differentiate that if the move hadn't occurred. Oh, that's an interesting thought. That's a very interesting thought. So move at three when he's three years old. <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> Maybe mid three. Mid, okay. mid threes. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, that'll be my goal. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you're... <laughs> two years. I've got two years. What are you thinking? You think you might want to move abroad again? You were the one who decided you wanted to do this topic. So I can't help but wonder if it's something that's on your mind. Yes, it is something that's on our mind. It's something that Derek and I have been talking about doing again. Yeah. And how and where. I've been looking at fellowships and when, I should also say, by the way, you know, because we're kind of entrenched a little bit right now with the projects that we're working on, the jobs that we have. But, you know, I always am kind of looking around and find some fellowships. There was like a really interesting one that takes an application every year in Berlin. And, of course, I've missed that application deadline because, you know, Mm. laziness again. (laughs) (laughs) But Berlin uh, and Derek found a program. uh, This might thrill you a little bit. Derek found a program of study that he really wants to do that's in Rome. Really? Yeah. That would bring us back there for, I don't know, two to three to maybe four years. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? You can't tease me like this. This is cruel. I know. Well, he'd still have to get in the program. And here's the real kicker. I'd need to be able to get a job, which means I need to to learn learn Italian. Italian. (laughs) So so I've been doing my Italian flashcards. If only only you had like lived in Italy for a year. Yeah, right. Mm. And studied it while I was there. I kept telling you, I kept telling you to study your Italian. And all that time I was thinking, well, what am I going to need it for in the future? But Mm, look what we've got here. You never know. You never know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like just us kind of dreaming and thinking, but but you never know. It's not off the table. I'm going to keep my fingers and toes crossed. But see, then what happens if I move back to Rome and then you move to France or to the (laughs) United States or something? Then I'm going to not have my Italian translator around. Mm. And this show will continue to be difficult to do. (laughs) I might just stick around just for you. Oh, really? I mean, it would be one more reason to stay, let's put it that way. Yeah. And if Aurelio gets into school, he could still... I mean, I don't feel like moving schools in elementary school would be that traumatizing. But what do I know? Who knows? Who knows? All I know is kids are resilient, right? Isn't that what they always say? Uh, yes. And that their parents are going to give them some sort of damage regardless of how good of parents they are. Isn't that the other thing they always say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, I know this 12-year-old girl whose parents moved her to Rome or her dad specifically moved her to Rome. She didn't want to go and she ended up having some great adventures. Is this the... Is this your <laughs> book character uh yeah (laughs) i'm like wait i've read this story it's beatrice that's beatrice's story man speaking of which that's a good segue to end i think because we have to wrap it up here in a minute but we received a few nominations of what you should be naming your book oh exciting remember how we called out for some nominations i have not planned that we were going to read these so i'm only going to read you the few that i can find in my inbox uh quickly So feel free, people, to send in more nominations. 
you'll have to listen back to the old episode to see what Tiffany's book is about if you've missed that. But here, here are a few. Remind them what episode that is. Oh, uh, okay. Hang on one second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. That's okay. Hang on. I'll tell you. Okay. It is the episode called Deal, and it is episode 131. Okay. All right. Okay. This will make no sense to you unless you listen to episode 131. If you haven't sent in your nominations yet, feel free. We will, we will still name some others. But here are the initial nominations of book titles for your book. This is from Allison. She has a lot of them, which is, should I read them all or should I just pick a chunk of them? Pick the best. Okay. Well, now I have to read them all. <laughs> well, you had said in that episode that you sort of wanted Rome to be in the title. I mean, ideally somewhere, or at least something that kind of is very, like a clear allusion to Rome. Right. <laughs> she said that her first thought was turtles all the way down, which <laughs> I, I kind of love. Um, it doesn't really allude to Rome at all. And, you know, where are the turtles going down to? But I do like it. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> Maybe I just like the idea of a world where that would be true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Lost and Found in Rome is one that she did, which I kind of like. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And then she also just divided that Lost in Rome or Found in Rome. But I kind of like Lost and Found in Rome. Mm-hmm. She also had the kind of funny one, uh, Rome is not for redheads. But I love that. I love that. That's so cute. But I don't know if that alludes to your turtles. But I do like Rome is not for redheads. Okay, hang on. Let me find another person. Thank you for all of those, um, Allison, even though I didn't read all of them. So let's see. All right. Desiree says, <laughs> Beatrice roams Rome for the missing turtles. Oh, that's complicated. <laughs> yeah. Beatrice roams Rome for the missing fountain turtles, if you wanted to make it even longer. She was also saying that maybe you need to take into account that this is part of a series of mm, books. Could to be come. part of a series. Could be. Yeah. If that is the case, then maybe you would want to have it be the Beatrice roams Rome series. And then it would be Beatrice Rome's Rome dot mm. dot the missing turtle mystery. Mm. Yeah, I li- I do like the that idea. It's just I don't know if there will be a second book. You I know, know that's, that's true. That's, just depends how it sells, really. I also kind of like this. Who stole the fountain turtles? Very straightforward. I I kind of love it because when you're just looking at titles of books, you're like, what are fountain turtles? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So intriguing, intriguing, <laughs> and straightforward, strangely. And straightforward. Beatrice, oh, she makes some terrible decisions. <laughs> <laughs> she just made me so nervous as a person who has, was around young children from time to time. <laughs> Let's do one more from her. Beatrice's fabulous fountain mystery. Anything with the word fabulous in it, I like. All right, let's do one more, and then uh, we should wrap. Let's see. Um, the next person I come to is Sunny, Sunny Strong. Oh, Sunny, who was our guest on uh, an episode just recently, episode 133, Exchange. And what does she say? She says, how about Roman Turtle Quest? Oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah. And that's her only suggestion. She didn't do a whole list. Roman Turtle Quest. So we'll leave it there for now. Definitely some things to think about. I might not pick one of the titles suggested, but it's very likely that 
it can kind of be a springboard to, to something else. Yeah, that's what I mean. It just sort of helps you generate different ideas or word couplings. And Yeah, it's really, it's really quite helpful. I think it's interesting that these three people all latched onto the turtles specifically. So maybe there's something kind of charming about turtles and having them in the title. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just because I'm, I'm a critter lover, so I'm attracted to turtles. And that's, I just arbitrarily pick the three people that pick the turtles. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, keep those suggestions coming. Yes, please do. You can send them to bittersweetlife at mail.com. You can tweet them at bittersweetpod. Uh, we have a Facebook page now, which is facebook.com slash the bittersweetlife podcast, I think. <laughs> this is why we only have 200 and something followers there, because I can't remember what it's called. But <laughs> share it for the friends, because I've been trying to post more there recently. Not we're, we're really successfully, but I'm trying. Katie and I are not good at social media. We're getting better. My, I've been doing more on Twitter lately. We're looking so, for an intern. We are, yeah. If there's <laughs> an unpaid intern. If there's anybody in Seattle who wants to be our in, unpaid intern and work with me, let me know that too. Well, now somebody's using a leaf blower outside. Should that be our sign that we should end? Uh, probably. All right. It's a sign that it's fall anyway. Yes. And thank you so much, Kelly, for letting us use your email as a springboard for this discussion, this kind of wide-ranging discussion. But I, I enjoyed it. So thank you so much for writing. And uh, let us know how it's going in Denver, because I would be really curious to know how that move went. Until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Bye. Visit the donate page on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content. Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.